0: Valerie, is there a a leadership shortage in America?
1: I think there is an abundance of talent in our school leaders in America, but there are certainly a large number of people leaving the profession, which is going to create a shortage at all levels. Leaders in the classroom, leaders at the school level, leaders at the district level. The Bureau of Labor Statistics has told us that nearly 48% of schools and districts have reported having difficulty finding enough full-time teachers. Principals, according to the National Association of Secondary School Principals, have reported in their survey that 42% of principals want to leave their position. And at AASA, the Superintendents Association, we are certainly seeing a very large number of superintendents retiring and leaving their roles this year. This has been a very tough two years on school leaders.
0: It uh, that it has. You're listening to the Getting Smart podcast. I'm Tom Vander and and uh, joined today by Dr. Valerie Truesdale. Valerie, after uh, an extraordinary career as a system leader, has joined the Superintendents Association (AASA) and uh, and just brought extraordinary leadership uh, support to America's superintendents. So, Valerie, we so appreciate your leadership at AASA and you joining us today. Also with us is uh, an extraordinary school superintendent, uh, David Miyashiro from Cajon Valley um, Union School District in East San Diego County. David, welcome.
2: Great to be amongst friends again. Thanks, Tom.
0: What's the mission
2: of Cajon Valley? Happy kids engaged in healthy relationships on a path to gainful employment.
0: It's uh, David has just created a, a, a beautiful um, mission for Cajon Valley learners and uh, is doing some of the most important work in the United States leading that system. And this uh, next year will be your tenth year, is that right, David? Ten, that's right. Um, and also joining us is Dr. Kelly Nichols. Um, K- Kelly um, and I have had the chance to work together and several capacities. Um, Kelly, recently, uh, when did you wrap up your, your um, EDD, Kelly, in 2021? Yeah, 21. Um, Kelly uh, worked with me at Getting Smart and has been a system leader in Eastern Washington uh, the, the last few years. Kelly, uh, in our conversation today, will give us the viewpoint of, uh, of a new system leader Valerie, I, I'd really appreciate your national view on this, and it really has been um, extraordinarily difficult uh, two-year period of time. Looks like we've seen something like record turnover. Is that is that fair, Valerie?
1: We don't have hard data on the turnover so far, but what we're seeing as a trend is a significantly higher level of turnover in school and system leaders than we've ever seen before.
0: You know, David, I've I, you've heard me say many times that being a school superintendent is is both on many days both the best job in the world and the hardest job in the world almost simultaneously. Um, has, has it gotten harder the last few years, David?
2: I don't think so. I, I think if it was easy, it wouldn't be fun. So the harder it gets, the more fun for me. I, I mean. Uh, so, yeah, the last three years have been the most fun I've had in my career. Um, do, do, you, do you sense that there are this, and, and I'd love uh,
0: all of you to reflect on this, do you, do you think there are today a new set of um, skill requirements or a, a different way of thinking about priority of skills
2: for leading a district today? I think from just from my own experience with the superintendents in my circle, and those that I've been interacted with the last 10 years, a lot of our profession, I think, is in the space of just trying to not get fired, meaning I'll try to avoid controversy, I'll avoid risk, and I'll avoid conflict. And by doing so, I can stay in the job of superintendent for many years and have a nice career. When things come up though, like the pandemic, and there is uncertainty and there is a crisis then the leader has to be able to operate in those realms where some of the the next moves may not be popular. Some of the next moves may be scary or have risk or estimated risk. And I think that most leaders in their schools of education or in their preparation programs weren't prepared for that. And I think that coming out of the pandemic, we have to really think about through the lens of what are the skills and dispositions and, and qualities that, that leaders must have to navigate risk, conflict, and controversy as everything has been hyper-politicized in this environment.
0: Valerie, how do you think about the, the new skill priorities for system leaders?
1: I think it's been fascinating to see that as the pandemic unfolded, how amazingly flexible our school system leaders were as they pivoted to being able to feed the children remotely, teach the children remotely, keep kids safe, and keep us uh, keep folks employed, bus drivers and others when they weren't transporting kids, how did they redefine? And so I've been very, very proud of my colleagues around the country. But it is not something you have trained for is to have that degree of change thrown at you where they became trackers of um, who has been infected by whom. And wellness experts. We're seeing right now that the need for leaders to be ultra sensitive to the social emotional wellness of the adults and the students in the schools is uh, an unusual and for themselves as well, because their lives have been turned upside down for two years. So as things begin to settle back in and folks become more resilient, that I think those skills of flexibility, resilience, stamina, and thoughtful care of their staff and their students, even more so than has ever been needed before, are emerging as essential skills.
0: David, I've seen you um, lead bravely with uh, strong community support. It it feels like community building is, is a new priority and not one that we um, teach in in superintendent licensure programs is is that fair? Is it, did, did you learn that on the job? Um, how how did you build your community building um, chops uh, in the last ten years?
2: One of the first tasks the board gave me when I started this job was to get out into the community and and get to know the other leaders in the community. So getting to know the city manager, the the chair of the Economic Development Council, the president of the chamber, the police chief. Those are things that that I was directed to do and had benefited all of us because we started to have a collaboration with all the different other entities that served our community. We also had frequent parent engagement and staff engagement, but looking back on them, they were not very authentic and not very transparent. When we went into the pandemic and we began weekly Zoom meetings with all of our school parent associations and had them tell us what they were experiencing through the pandemic and how we were not meeting their needs and how their children were suffering and how they were having to decide whether to to go to work or to quit their job and were in desperation. Was the first time we actually had authentic, meaningful input from our parents and That's something I think that will be part of our system moving forward. We also did the same with our employee groups and had our associations tell us what they were feeling and experiencing, and we recorded these calls and we posted them online so that everyone could see them. And I think that that was what allowed us to open. It was what allowed us to do a lot of really courageous things because it was the needs and wants of our families and community that drove it. But we did, I I would say I learned a lot of that on the job and was humbled by, by those that, that were willing to give feedback.
0: Valerie, I talked to our friend Mark Benini um, last week and uh, w- recalled that he had been mayor of his town before he became superintendent a decade ago. And I think being mayor is a pretty good preparation for becoming a superintendent. That really develops your your civic chops. Um, uh, Valerie, how do you see people developing these these community building skills
1: I think one of the things that has been um, brought to the surface even more glaringly during the pandemic has been that parents and we had glimpses into students homes and they had glimpses into the teaching act and there have begun to blur some of the boundaries of where things are and what Dr. David Miyashiro is describing is an increase in the level of transparency of understanding that this is a partnership the home the first teacher of children, the schoolhouse, the community. It has to all be aligned in order to prepare students for their futures, not our past.
0: Kelly, how do you think about the the skills that system leaders need today?
3: Well, I think um they are different from I would I would say the standard skills were in place before. Um and this is why I'm really excited about this time. Um, I think you know there's those of us who are creative and problem-solving um, enthusiasts, um, not trying to necessarily play it safe. And as you know, um, you know there was definitely some elements where people felt more vulnerable and exposed in ways that they never had been before, particularly in positions of power like a superintendency. Um, and Valerie, I really appreciate you talking about the need of symmetry and synergy across all elements of a school system. You know, we are a microcosm and intersectional. And I think there was this facade that people showed up to a building and that's where learning happened. And it happened within a place of closed decision-making and that those decisions were made by people for certain like specific status or, um, you know, hierarchy or resources. And all of that fell to the wind, right. And was exposed on a screen um, where we've all been in all of this together Um, And, and now you can't hide from it anymore or try to put a structure on it um, or, you know, send them off to a building. So um, I've, you know, it's been sad because there's been a lot of heartbreak in these times, but I think this type of reckoning is necessary for us to really achieve the outcomes we say we want for our communities and for our kids, um, and for us to really execute school and learning and community building in the way that we say we want to. Um, and I'm, you know, it, it's sad to see some turnover, and it's sad to see people really be um, shifted in ways that are painful, right? And and have resulted in, in gaps in our classrooms and in our leadership positions. Um, but I'm hopeful for the rebuilding of what can be and the doors that open for folks with skill sets that otherwise have been ignored or devalued um, because those are what we need now for these new times.
0: Kelly you you've had such an interesting and diverse um background. Do, do you feel like between your school coaching and consulting and system leadership and and your um the, the degree programs that you've been part of, do you feel like you've pieced together a set of skills in community building that'll be useful? W- which parts of those backgrounds do you think are sort of most relevant to the challenge going forward?
3: Well, I definitely think my schooling experience, like I always go back to Kelly in the classroom and the schools that I was raised in and the community that I was, um, that raised me. Um, and, I think I'm very privileged, and David, you spoke to this about some some preparation programs are really ill equipped to prepare leaders for the future. Um, I've been part of some incredible programs that have been equity centered, anti racist organizations, very um, creative oriented, uh, design thinking, just all the things that we need. Um, and so I'm grateful for that. Uh, and I've also and I currently work in very traditional contexts, and so it's that. That tension of what we know can be and and how we get to that um, from where we are, um, so it's a journey. Um, but I um, I think that you know always going back to the heart of me as a student and, and being a learner and knowing that kids um, and their families and respecting that experience and knowing how very different our experiences are and that all of them are valid, um, you know the the ecosystem right this interdependency. Um, has been far influential in my ability to travel the country and work in very different places and contexts. Because at the end of the day, all we care about are the same things, right? We care about the hearts and souls of our young people. Um, And what that means and and how we care for them can shift, but we can always get to that core. Um, And that's something that I'm really grateful for, um, having that kind of context and experience with.
0: David, your district is super diverse. And and I just love how you and your team are culturally relevant, um, equity focused in, in everything that you do. Um, I, I assume that, um, that that you think everybody needs those skills today. Is that is that fair? It's, a, it's critical to the job today, isn't it of leading any school system in America?
2: I think so we have we have the largest Middle Eastern refugee population in the country. Over 50 languages spoken in just a small 65 square mile radius and languages like Farsi and Pashto and, and Arabic and Aramaic and, and Spanish and the other the Asian cultures as well, the, the diversity is our strength. And the way that we achieve that is starting in kindergarten, we have students start telling their TED talks, not an 18 minute TED talk, but a 30 second TED talk where they talk about who they are. And so the journey begins with self-awareness, telling my story and having each classmate hear and accept and welcome each story into the community of the classroom or the school or the district or community. And so that curricular aspect has allowed us to really transform our, our classrooms and schools into inclusive environments where every person tells their unique story and every story is embraced. We value in our happy kids, healthy relationships, a sense of belonging. And our hashtag is hashtag YouBelongCV. And those things have really helped unify us in a very politically divisive time. And I think that that's a skill set that principals and superintendents, school boards really need to learn is, is, is to find unifying language that when you have a red circle and a blue circle, there's a space in between where there's common language that can unify based on shared goals and values that are beyond democrat or republican beyond liberal or conservative really about happiness well-being and gainful employment and financial freedom for every person those things are not controversial there are no buzzwords in there that would set any side off and i think that that those lessons on being in such a diverse area to find unifying language that supports each person is is really critical in the grand scheme of things as well
0: Valerie, um, the Superintendents Association launched this uh, wonderful initiative called Learning 2025, and it, that plan for the future really embraced um, the, uh, an anti-marginalization um, effort. It was a strong plank that suggested that every every system leader uh, had an important role to play. Uh, but I, w- I was struck that that uh, and I, I had the good opportunity to, to be one of the commissioners on that, on that effort. But I, I was struck that um, one, one of the most eloquent voices for um, anti-racist and inclusive education was run off by a school board in the middle of that uh, uh, commission. Um, and so these skills of, of leading for um, inclusive education... Are, are not yet widely appreciated. Uh, Valerie, how, how do you think about how, um, what, what does this mean for the profession? Um, so,
1: so you lifted up a few moments ago, Tom, the importance of a different type of skill set. And David addressed this a bit when he really is describing a growth mindset, finding the common ground wherever it is. The genesis for the National Commission on Learner Centered equity-focused, future-driven education was finding common ground and putting the student back in the center of the conversation in our country and not politics and not woes such as a pandemic. But beyond that, because we will move past this, our students still have to be focused on their future. And I think that the whole, the community's willingness to come together and find common ground will define them as a community of promise or a community, as Kelly said, of very traditional ways that need to be evolving. We've always known that learning, children learn everywhere all the time. And that has been underscored by this pandemic because they have, they've learned le- learned in churches and community centers and the schoolhouse and at home and in the playground, wherever it is, we need to embrace that thinking that all of our children are learning all of the time and that we need to put children back to the focus of the center in our country. And I think that that's going to be difficult for some communities to embrace who have perhaps not had um, a really wide lens. You know, if you, if you think about this in a car, um, a windshield is a very wide thing and a rear view mirror is a really small thing and that's in proportion by design. So we ought to think about leading with that proportionality uh, looking forward
0: Kelly I, I'm thinking back to 25 years ago when I became a school superintendent 25 years ago is a lot easier for a, a young white guy to to get hired leading a school system feels like we've made a little bit of progress um, for for women of color um, but uh, <laughs> does it? Does it- Does it feel like that to you? What, what, what? As, as you think about the, the leadership opportunity for um, young women of color?
3: Yeah. Well, um, I'll say that I, Valerie, you talk about the the where communities are at, and we talked a little bit about this earlier too, in the sense of people need to be ready. Um, We, you know, school boards hire superintendents, Um, search firms, you know, are. Are folks who have been in the system a long time and and find their way to um, kind of welcome at least my experience here in Washington to welcome in the, the new generations, um, but that's a legacy model, right? And so you you find people who um, look like you and share your values and, and know your context and and that you can get along with and have dinner with, right? And and can trust. Um, and then a crazy lady like me shows up, right? And um, and I would say I have the skill sets you need to get you future forward. Um, but if I'm in a place of decision making and I'm happy where I am or trying to go back to what was, um, then that's a misalignment. And so I think um, I think there's definitely progress. And I think in more progressive places where we have more representation on school boards um, and in places where there are... Um, I would say, uh, for a lack of a better term, like more sophisticated search firms and processes. Um, you know, women of color show up and show out, right? Um, and and just also different folks who don't fit that traditional school leadership, district leadership model, right? Um, we we're able to shine, and we're asked questions that allow you to tell us to tell you our story in ways in which you can hear it and think, well, that's the kind of, you know, capacity that we need to to rear our young people, right? And to build our community and, and take us ahead. Um, but I would argue overarchingly, the systems are still very much set up, um, where I can't do that. Um, and so, and people like me cannot do that, but I'm hopeful, right. And, and, you know, working really hard every day to disrupt, um, some of those, um, components. And, and I, I think what's also been wonderful is for those of us who have been able to enter the space, um, we've done good work in ways where it allows some people to take more, um, leaps of faith, right. Or can trust, something that would be otherwise unknown in their community because they've seen it work elsewhere in places like theirs.
0: Valerie, I spent the weekend with a superintendent whose board uh, just flipped uh, as a result of an organized campaign. And now the board chair wears uh, a gun t-shirt and espouses racist um, sayings in in board meetings, um, things that we'd kick a seventh grader out of school for, um, and I, it just makes you cry. Um.
1: So Tom, I think it, it it doesn't make me cry. It makes me angry because I I, t- I used to tell my community and I told my board members when all the years that I was the superintendent, our children are watching. You are tangible demonstration of the dem- democratic process of civic leadership, and if you're acting like a very petulant seventh grader on television and speaking ugly to one another, our children are watching you and they're imprinting you and they will copy you. We, we have to be bold in saying it is not okay for people to not treat each other with dignity and make them feel as if they don't belong. There has to be a reckoning of leaders from all walks of life, community leaders political leaders, business leaders, philanthropy. The nice thing about the National Commission that you were so kind to serve on, Tom, is that it was a mix of top leaders in philanthropy, business, and education coming together to say, if you were to fundamentally improve, redesign, to Kelly's point, design thinking, redesign American education to be more learner-centered, equity-focused, and future-driven, what would need to change? And those areas of redesign are being embraced by a number of superintendents. And I would submit, I, I get on a tear with any of my colleagues who are retiring and I say, run for office, run for an office. It doesn't matter what office, stand up and be counted. We need people who believe in children and their futures leading.
0: I, I was, I've been thinking of uh, our friend Don Haddad in St. um, Colorado, um, that community has been so intentional about developing, um, cultivating, uh, school board leaders, elected leadership for that community that are, um, that put kids first and put community first. Uh, I, I guess the lesson there is that, um, as community leaders, we really have to, to pay more attention, uh, uh to cultivating elected leadership that, um, Put kids in community first. Is that is that fair?
1: That's fair.
0: Um, David, I, I'm I'm struck by the the real the bravery um, that that you continue to to show in your leadership and that your opening comments that suggest we need to encourage our fellow education leaders to to be bold and to be brave and to put kids in community first is, is that fair?
2: I think that, that that's the job. And I think that what you described with the, the school board member that was just reelect or just elected and displaying behaviors that maybe would be unbecoming of a school board member. I think that's gonna be more common than not. And so for for people going into this professions are this leadership role saying, you know, I, I wanna be superintendent, but I don't wanna deal with, with those bad politics or those ideologies. That's, that's not realistic. And so when we hired Getting Smart back in 2017 to help us build open a high school, the first thing that we did was with your team is we hired the San Diego Improv Company. And they came in and they trained all of our administrators and, and teacher leaders on improv. And improv is a, a place where no matter what somebody says, your job is to take that offer and try to make them look good, as hard as that may be. And so if someone says it's raining in here, you don't say, no, it's not. You have to say, yeah, it's a good thing that so-and-so brought umbrellas, right? And then somebody else picks it up. And and the, the superintendent or principal has to navigate conversations in a politically tense arena to find a way to deliver a show that meets the needs of the people that are there to view it or, or to serve the kids in the community that are there for their education. And that political savvy that ability to use improv yes and and be able to keep a conversation going with people who have very strong beliefs one way or the other is a skill set that i think that is important and i think that should be a requirement in terms of of knowing you have that skill before you even apply for the job and something that i think valerie alluded to is the idea of search and placement i think or maybe kelly because I think that search firms that place and hire superintendents have been guilty of malpractice for the latter three decades. I've experienced it. I've seen it. I think we all see it. And if organizations like AASA were to take on that role of assisting districts in running searches and placing, then I think we'd see a lot more equity, a lot more of the right fit and a lot more of those leaders that really are equipped to do the job finding that right match in a school district with a hope that there's longevity there. Search firms, they don't have any any stake in the game in terms of longevity of superintendents. They they get the contract, they get the money, they place a superintendent, and then they're gone. And maybe we should create a Yelp system of rating superintendent firms that, you know, they're on their ethics, on their longevity, on because... We've seen a lot of bad practice out there, and I think that that can change a lot um, if we can reform superintendent search and placement.
0: Valerie, um, I, I don't want to d- discourage uh, prospective superintendents like, uh, like Dr. Nichols. Um, I think it's important at this juncture to reiterate that this really is the best job in the world. The, a school superintendent, more than any person in any community, can help a community th- shape how it thinks about its kids and its future. You really can change the arc of history in a in a community as a school superintendent. It's the good work, right?
1: It is the good work. I believe that we are put educators are put on this earth to create conditions in which children can thrive, and no one has more influence over creating those conditions We don't teach the children directly as the superintendent in most communities, but we create those conditions. You know, the research from the Wallace Foundation has found very definitively that principals are second to teachers in improving student achievement. So the superintendent's role in finding, recruiting, developing, appointing, and supporting, nurturing principals is critical. To have a a strong, robust pipeline We know that our profession is 74 percent female in our education profession, but yet 74 percent of all of our superintendents are male and only 6 percent of our superintendents are people of color and 2 percent are Latino. So you put that together and you realize we have a long way to go to making sure that everyone feels that they can be a leader, that they belong, and that they are part of bringing opportunity for children at higher levels than they've ever had before, because we can do that.
0: Do you have anything for um, aspiring administrators? What what would you like them to, to think about and pay attention to?
1: So one of the things that we find for an aspiring superintendent academies and AASA has four aspiring superintendent academies, one for female leaders, one for Latino leaders, one that's our national program and one that is primarily virtual and always has been, that you get prepared, you go into it with eyes wide open and understand that the match, which is what Kelly and David have both said, the match with a board is the relationship. That is critical. It has to be a good fit. It's not just because I like this location or that compensation package or this community. It's the board, the relationship of those. My smallest was five and my largest was 12 members. That's a large, large number of relationships. And you're very close because you are creating for that entire community, the future for children.
0: Thank you. David, uh,
2: closing thoughts, advice for aspiring administrators? My advice would be to subscribe to CEO networks and and follow leaders in business doing creative and fun things. Along my path, I learned from Herb Kelleher and how he built Southwest into a a customer-focused environment where the employee was the first customer, or from Starbucks leadership, how they're not in the coffee business selling to people, they're in the people business selling to coffee. I learned from Laszlo Bock at Google how people operations really is people operations. And they do value their employees so that the employees can value the work and the customer. And I don't think that that that's common, but I think that that's helped me not just excel in this role, but enjoy my job. I have a lot of fun. Creating a corporate culture in a district is fun. You know, loving on your employees is fun. Focusing on happy kids and healthy relationships and watching them develop their career development and vocational identity is fun. And so it is. You're right, Tom. This is the most fun and impactful job, and you can actually enjoy doing it. Kelly, what advice do you have for aspiring leaders?
3: Oh, I, I think um, I think to find the joy. Something I really appreciate about our conversation is that this work is fun. Um, to be re- relentless in pursuing what's best for our communities and for our young people, um, to find each other, stay connected. Um, there are great organizations um, and it's not all education organizations and it's not just what's in your local realm of control, but really seeking um, the opportunity to engage with others and learn from others um, and to keep on fighting, right? Like it's, it's, it's a good time. This is a fun time. So how do we, how do we stay with that type of energy um, and persist? So that our young people um, can have more to look forward to.
0: The fight is productive, right? Yeah, yep. Uh, it, it's about leaning into um, these issues, Kelly. We we always appreciate that you you learn out loud and um, and lead with values, and um, we we deeply appreciate that. Not everyone will appreciate that. It's uh, the the lesson from Valerie on um, on finding fit. Um, finding a place where you can lead in the way that uh, you need to lead to put kids in community first uh, is really important.
3: Yeah. Well, and it's, it's good to know that maybe where you are or when people don't like what you have right now, there are people out there who do want what you have. Right. And to continue to find that good fit and find that community because great things can happen where you, where you belong.
0: Yeah. And the lesson from uh, Cajun Valley that David has just cultivated a beautiful sense of community uh, that feels really sustainable, um, and so I, I love that about his leadership. He's created something that is uh, is, is going to outlast him because he's been so committed to community building.
3: Absolutely, I'm so excited for that work.
0: Uh, you've been you've been listening to uh, some of America's best system leaders: David Miyashiro, uh Valerie Truesdale from AASA, and Dr. Kelly Nichols from Cheney School District. Uh, Thanks for joining us this week. Keep learning and keep innovating for equity. Thanks for tuning in to the Getting Smart podcast today. We want this podcast to be actionable, insightful, and a great way to learn about what's next in learning. In order to stay on the cutting edge, we need people in the field to tell us what they're hearing, what they're wanting, and what they're needing to learn more about. Got a topic or a guest in mind? Send your recommendations to me, Mason, at gettingsmart.com. And if you like what you're hearing, don't forget to leave a review in Apple Podcasts or subscribe wherever you listen. Feel free to share the podcast on social media using the hashtag GSPodcasts. Thanks so much.